Welcome to the Perp Web Podcast, hosted by Joe Bosch. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to PerfWeb 86, day two. Uh, we've got a great program set up for us today. Uh, the first part of the morning is going to be just me, and I'm going to be talking about recirculation at, in your ECMO circuit as a vital sign indicator and something that I think we really need to uh, pay a lot of attention to and be very cognizant of. But before I get started, as you all well know, I have to do the housekeeping notes that I'm uh, obligated to. As far as any kind of disclosures are concerned, uh, with the first part of this today, I have no financial interest in Transonic as a company. We are gonna be talking about their device and it is the only device available on the market to measure recirculation uh, in your VV ECMO circuit or oxygenator blood volume, which would be indicative of, of course, thrombus and inadequate heparinization or anticoagulation, whichever uh, medication you may be using. To contact us, you go to uh, contact at perfusioneducation.com. You see it down there. Our call-in number is always up and available. You see it there. For those of you that may be driving that want to call and be live on the show to uh, say anything, ask any questions, whatever the case uh, is, 832-239-5358. That's 832-239-5358. Uh, and it'll be up there the whole time if you want to uh, jot it down or uh, call us later. That'd be great. Um, the scroll bar for all of this information is always at the bottom of the screen, no matter what we have going on. Uh, and then uh, I'd like to talk about our MediWeb app. Uh, our MediWeb app, of course, is, uh, I think, one of the best apps going um, for example, I, I can't show you on the screen. We didn't set that up for this morning, but I can, for example, and I think this is really important, uh, go to the, uh, what is the perfusion section. So if you're a perfusionist, you would click on the perfusion section. You would click perfusion quick, quick calcs. You have a female patient who uh, calculates the volume automatically at 65 mLs per kilo. She's 65 years old. Uh, she has a pre-op hematocrit of 32. Her height is uh, 160 centimeters. Her weight is, uh, I'll say, uh, 67 kilograms. The pump prime volume is 1,000 cc's. Uh, anesthesia has given the patient 1,500 and the patient has put out 500 cc's of urine so far, and your heparin dose calculation is based on 300 units per kilogram, and I click on calculate, and it gives me the BSA, BMI, estimated blood volume, red cell volume, heparin dose, estimated on pump hematocrit, protamine dose, and then your calculated flows from 1.6 to 3.0. 
all right here on your phone, making your uh, pre-pump calculations, your setup calculations for your case, very, very, very easy. You can tr uh, calculate O2 transfer rate. You can calculate oxygen delivery, DO2. You can uh, look at the uh, amount of oxygen left in your uh, e-cylinder if you were using a portable oxygen for, let's say, ECMO. Um, you have an ECMO section, which has uh, SAO2, or uh, uh, your uh, arterial oxygen content. It has a, uh, your O2 con AVO2 difference. It has also DO2I, colonic pressure, O2 transfer rate, uh, ECMO selection algorithm, Murray score for acute lung injury, ABG interpreter, PF ratio, just a tremendous amount of stuff right here on your phone. You can go to the Google Play Store or you can go to the uh, iTunes Store, look up MediWeb, critical care application for perfusion. There's also a standalone IV rate and dose calculator by us. You get free updates for life. It's $2.99 for the big app, $0.99 cents for the small app. There's my plug for the day and uh, would love for you to be a customer and to buy it and use it and let us know. So, uh, leave us a review. Be appreciated. Um, you want to listen to us on podcasts, go to your favorite podcast streaming software, whether it be Spotify or Podbean or whatever service you use, and you can always listen to all of these programs live. Uh, or uh, in uh, as they were recorded. Uh, you can leave live comments if you're on YouTube, and if you do, uh, it pops up, and I automatically see it, and they're always appreciated, so please leave some comments. Um, I would greatly uh, appreciate that. Um, and let me think. I can't think of anything else at the moment um, other than I do want to talk about the second half of the program. The first half is what it is, but the second half of this program is going to be exceptional. We're going to have some, and I'll introduce them when we do the program, but they are from Nova Signal. And this is the world's first autonomous transcranial Doppler, uh, we'll call it a robot, that uses AI in order to fix on a signal through the temporal window and uh, I think maybe even orbital window and be able to look at cerebral blood flow during a whole variety of procedures, including cardiac surgery. And I think whether it be on pump or off pump, it has tremendous uh, 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 utility in that and i think we really need to learn about this and really appreciate its value but of course it's also used for a whole a lot of other things which we're going to learn about today in the critical care unit ecmo patients cath lab uh, neuro unit uh, vascular surgery carotid surgery so tremendous application for this technology and it is now designed so that you don't have to use a sonographer who is skilled to aim this and keep it in one place, especially if it gets jostled around. This, I, so I think this is gonna be very exciting technology. So uh, that's our second half for today, which will likely be the most popular part of uh, uh, the PerfWeb 86 series yesterday and today. With that said, I'm just going to jump right in Yes, sir. Oh, you lost connection with the, oh, I'm sorry. So we're not gonna jump right in. We're gonna wait, I'm gonna share the slides first and then we're gonna jump right in. Okay. Okay, now we're gonna jump right in. 
Um, we're going to go to recirculation, a vital sign indicator for VV ECMO patients. And again, I'm Joe Basha, perfusionist. Uh, no disclosures, we discussed that. I do have to say that uh, Transonic did generously allow me to share many of their slides. Uh, so that is fair to say that. Uh, patients go on VV ECMO for severe respiratory failure, not responding to other conventional modalities. Um, cardiac function is generally still intact and hypoxia must be addressed. And I don't mean to interrupt you, David, but is there uh, that screen, the one that's being aired, it keeps flickering really fast. Like, is there something I need to do? Is it still airing like, or, or is it doing this online? You don't, they don't see it online. Okay. Connection in here. Okay. Thank you. Sorry, folks. So recirculation is a very well known, understood complication of VV ECMO. We want as much blood flow to go from the reinfusion cannula, whether it be a single cannula strategy or a dual uh, uh, two uh, catheter strategy towards the right ventricle so that we maximize its effectiveness. Indications that recirculation is occurring have historically been left up to the specialist at the bedside to determine. Um, and excuse me one second, could you possibly just call him? It's just incredibly distracting for me. Um, no, I would call Magic and ask him to come help. Um, VV ECMO cannulation configurations that are common with VV are what you see here where you have your access coming from the femoral vein being put way up high and in this case, uh, you're actually, it's a little lower, I take that back, and your return in the contralateral uh, uh, femoral vein that is higher. So because flow is this direction, you want your reinfusion to be up higher than what your access is. In this configuration, you're accessing from the inferior vena cava, and then you're returning it back into the right IJ going back into the right atrium. And then in this example that you have here, you see the double lumen uh, catheter, single catheter, double lumen, where you're accessing from the inferior vena cava, superior vena cava, and you're returning to the mid portion of the right atrium. Typically angled towards the tricuspid valve, but these are kind of tricky to make that happen. Um, in this particular circumstance, what you see is your access here and you see your uh, IJ catheter here and you notice that of course there's different outlet ports. Some of the blood is sort of swirling around. Some of it is being dragged with the normal blood flow into the right ventricle, but some of it, you see the purple, is getting mixed up and brought down here. And this is what basically diagrammatically what recirculation would look like. 
So here you see radiographically, I mean, there's very little distance between the tip of your IVC access catheter and the return of your SVC uh, cannula, your return cannula. So when these distances are this short and you have essentially flow going this way, it's really easy and I can draw that for this flow because it's jetting and this is vortexing to just get pulled this direction. And you're gonna lose a lot of effectiveness of your ECMO flow when these cannulas are that close to one another. Uh, in the bifemoral approach, what I showed you earlier, you see that this is your access here, here is your return here, but because even though you do have native blood flow is going this direction, so you have washout, which is going to help you, the pull from here creating the vortex is going to suck some of the volume just directly back counter to the flow into the cannula. Though I believe uh, and my experience in these different techniques tells me that if you can have this cannula here low enough, I'm so sorry, this access low enough, uh, just about, you know, at the hepatic level, and here's the hepatic vein right here, and your, this return in the right atrium, the amount of recirculation is a lot less with this technique versus this technique especially when they are this close to one another, which is very short. Um, in this example here, um, you see they're both very, very low, and uh, sometimes you will just not get good drainage uh, when they're like that. Uh, so I don't necessarily recommend that technique. Here's the double lumen, and you want it to be perfect, but of course the... Uh, higher the, or the, the lower, I will say, the patient's cardiac output, the higher your recirculation is going to be here. And actually, when you have zero recirculation in this type of model, you're almost always going to be able to predict that you have high cardiac outputs and are very hyperdynamic uh, hearts in that particular circumstance. But these have become very, very, very popular. Um, here we see radiographically what it looks like with the cannula overlaid over the heart shadow and how it is intended to work. Uh, one of the things you can use as an interesting marker is when this cannula becomes narrow, narrower, right in this area, is where the outlet is. And that's really easy to see on the, uh, on the uh, chest X-ray. And of course, there's your cannula in place. So clues about recirculation. I'm sorry, please forgive me for one second. Hey, Magic, yes. are you still working on it, dude? It's just, yeah, it's right kind of making me crazy. Can you just turn them off? Cause Okay, I mean, at this point in time, I just can't do this. It's, it's too distracting. I understand. Well, yeah, but it's really, you don't have to turn that one off. I just turn this one off. 
I'm, I'm good. It's just, it's real hard for me because it's blinking and it's driving me crazy. Um, so I apologize for that. Technical difficulties. So what you're looking for is recirculation clues is the patient's arterial saturation is going to start falling while your pre-oxygenation saturation is going to go up. So this is going to be, so let's just hypothetically say you're satin 98. Now all of a sudden you're satting 93. Well, that could be for extraction reasons. It could be that people are using their, their they may be coming off of uh, paralytics, moving, uh, temperature could be going up. There's a whole variety of reasons. But when that happens in concurrence with what was, let's say, 65% at one time, and now it's reading 78% or 80%, um, you see a relationship happening there. And so generally speaking, if you have an extraction problem, um, you're not going to see this drop and this go up. So that is sort of the classic way that we diagnose recirculation in our ECMO circuits. So the change in effective pump flow and recirculation compared with set pump flow in VV ECMO is thus, because what this graph is going to show us is that our instinct is to turn the ECMO flow up. But if you look at this graph, here you have your um, effective ECMO, fl your, fl your flow right here, and your recirculation. And here you see your effective ECMO flow. So as you go up on flow, your effective ECMO flow goes down because your recirculation reaches a certain point. So you cannot just turn the flow up because doing so can actually exacerbate an already problem of recirculation. So you'll make the recirculation worse, and we don't want to do that. But of course, it's important to be able to just measure it and really understand it very, uh, very quickly. Um, let's just, you know, in this particular setting, let's say that your saturations in this case, your max RPMs with little increase in your SAO2, venous and arterial ECMO lines show similar coloring. Patient oxygenation saturations remain low. That would be the patient saturation from, I prefer, of course, the right radial, but any really radial at this point in time, because on VV, it doesn't really matter like it does on VA. But as a habit, I would always try to shoot for the right radial. Uh, mixed venous oxygenation monitoring is reads high if you're using that. Patient requires similar amounts of inotropic support because you've got problems. Patient's NEARS monitors or readings are suboptimal and arterial blood gas PO2 remain low. Ventilator settings remain elevated. You're not even right now able to rest the lungs. So how are we helping this patient? And really, the, the, in, in reality, we're not. We're hurting this patient, which is not what we all signed up to do because we have now in, in, essentially inserted a very invasive 
uh, technique, technology, therapy, equipment, disposables, blood uh, contact uh, area, and it's doing the patient no good, but it's doing harm because all of those things increase risk of very pro-inflammatory, anticoagulation, higher risk of stroke, all of these kinds of things play a role. So it's very important that if we're gonna use a therapy, that we maximize that therapy's effectiveness for obvious reasons. So this is where this device, the transonic ELSA meter comes into play. And again, I just remind everyone, I have no financial interest in this company, but I think that this is a, an incredibly useful device that I use as much as I possibly can. And it has multiple uses. So it's not just a, this is for one thing and one thing only. It has multiple things that it can do. We're gonna discuss some of those. Uh, it has two flow measurements that use transit time uh, indicator dilution technology. A saline bolus is given through the ECMO circuit to determine recirculation percentage. Now with that said, this does have, every device has limitations. If you're using the cardio help, it has limitations, and we can discuss that maybe later, but your circuit does have to be designed a certain way, and I'm gonna show you that uh, as we move forward with these slides. Flow sensors acknowledge the difference in velocity to quantify the recirculation measurement. So basically what you do is you give a bolus of saline into blood, the first pass measures the velocity change and then, because there's a difference, of course, in viscosity, and as that saline is pulled back to the access line, if it is, then it sees that change in velocity as well and can compute what the percentage of that recirculation actually is. And it gives you the numbers, which you see here. This is a recirculation of 21% you're actually flowing 1647, but your effective ECMO flow is only uh, 1301. So you're 1.6 liters or 1.65 liters, but your effective flow is only 1.3 liters. Now, at 21%, I'd be hard pressed to want to make a change unless I really had to. That's, uh, you know, anything under 15, 15% and under is, exceptional, 20% is good, um, and uh, not perfect, but good, and so I'd be disinclined to want to change it. 21% is too close to 20 for me to make a, uh, uh, consider making a change. Now, you could have 41% recirculation, which means you're flowing 3.6 liters with an effective uh, ECMO flow of only 2.1 liters. That can make an enormous difference. And basically what you see is the first pass through the line post-oxygenator, and here it is coming back to the access line. And then what you see here is it just going back through the system. But these are the ones that you wanna be most, uh, uh, most focused on. Um, this is showing a uh, video of the recirculation measurement, but it's also simultaneously measuring oxygenator blood volume. So uh, I'm gonna let it run through and then I'm gonna talk about it. So let's, uh, let me run that video one more time if I can. I think I have to go this way. Okay, watch the syringe right here is going to give an injection. 
It is between the pump head and the oxygenator. You'll see the white line go through the oxygenator. This is where oxygenator blood volume will be measured. Then it goes through this sensor and it picks up the bolus and that's gonna be your red curve, goes up into the patient, comes back down the access line through the flow probe, and that is what's going to measure, that's gonna be your blue line and measuring your recirculation. So let's let it do it. There's the injection. There's the marker going up through the oxygenator. There it is going through the red flow probe. There's your red curve. Here it comes, coming back the access cannula. Into the flow probe, there's your blue curve. And uh, it, this didn't calculate a number, but that looks like it's probably down around 15, 20%. Okay, and here you see where it gave you the oxygenator blood volume. So even if you didn't do it as a baseline, you can look at this at a later time and say, hey, um, we, uh, 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 our oxygenator blood volume is trending down. That can be an indication that you're starting to lose surface area and that's going to be due to thrombus. Recirculation, uh, we talked about that already. Um, here we looked at this uh, about the uh, recirculation and that we talked about this already. Let me talk about this real quick. This technology was introduced by uh, Kravitz, Dr. Kravitsky, Nikolai Kravitsky in 1995. He published his findings in a SIO. Uh, he has over 200 papers in the hemodialysis ICU and ECMO fields and measurements are easy. Uh, one saline bolus and uh, one minute of time is what it takes. I usually use, I do adults only. Uh, I know there's a formula for uh, children, for uh, uh, neonates and for uh, uh, pediatrics, but we usually use 15 to 20 cc's of saline uh, per injection for our purposes. And uh, this kind of shows you what the velocity is of saline versus the velocity of blood due to the change in, in, in viscosity. Here's the uh, publication that we discussed and it talks about the uh, various different aspects of it. I recommend it, I think it's a good article and I think that it uh, explains uh, a lot of things about the technology you may find interesting. So what are some of the additional technological values of this? Well, currently there's no test for clotting and none that are uh, quantitative. You have the flashlight method, you have D-dimer, which you could sort of you know, say, well, my D-dimer is, 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 is going up and I should have, I might have clot. Um, you know, your fiber degradation products, your uh, uh, fiber split products, whatever you want to call, transmembrane pressure, but I will tell you that your transmembrane pressure may not change significantly enough with a lot of your uh, circuit occupied with, uh, with clot. Uh, you don't, you, you'd be surprised at what percentage of your oxygenator you can lose before 
um, you start seeing a significant rise in your delta P, your transmembrane pressure. Diminished oxygenation, of course, or when post-oxygen saturations begin to decline, or you start seeing post-oxygenator -ox, uh, post CO2 starting to rise. This generally is late in the game, and the patient maybe is not now in crisis, but crisis is impending. This is an, what an oxygenator looks like, and actually this, it's this oxygenator. That's what this oxygenator actually looked like. Um, here is your oxygenator uh, 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 blood volume test. If you select it in the menu, I always run, if I'm VV ECMO, I run both recirculation, oxygenator blood volume. Obviously, there's no recirculation in VA ECMO, so you only run oxygenator blood volume. But that green curve is what is the oxygenator blood volume. Then you see your red first pass, and then your blue, and you get both oxygenator blood volume and recirculation. You can see that you're at 88% of baseline, or if you did not do a baseline, you can look at your IFU, know what the oxygenator blood volume is supposed to be, and if this is where that is supposed to be, you can actually set this whenever you do your first one as your baseline. So even, uh, you know, notwithstanding you, this is not set, you know what your oxygenator blood volume should be, and then look at what it actually is, and you can make some very important clinical choices and decisions um, uh, with that information. Uh, obviously, cannula placement, I can't, you know, say enough how important that is. And I also want to mention something. I'm not sure if it's in this talk. I want to mention that this technology is FDA approved, number one. And number two, this technology is recommended by ELSO, the Extracorporeal Life Support Organization, um, and uh, this technology is proven to improve outcomes. So I think there's a lot to be said, and we haven't even discussed some of the other things that it can do, which I find very useful. Um, you can optimize your RPMs in ECMO flow if you are not going to change cannula position in any way, shape, or form. You could be reducing, of course, hemolysis. Uh, you could, which of course is going to lead to increased inflammation, uh, poor effects of coagulation, and high uh, links to acute renal failure, certainly acute kidney injury when you have high hemolysis. So you can optimize your RPMs and know when it's time you've got to correct the uh, position of your cannula. And what's nice is you correct the position of the cannula where you think it needs to be. You can shoot a recirculation before the cannulator physician, surgeon, whoever's putting it in, secures it in that place. You can verify, validate it uh, very easily. Um, this is sort of redundant, kind of says the same thing that I've already said. Um, hypo or hypervolemic, um, as I said, if you have very, if you have right heart failure, you're going to see high recirculation even in the, uh, even with optimal cannula placement. If you have 
a very hyperdynamic patient, then you are going to have very low recirculation. Then it's usually going to say zero. Uh, and uh, even if the cannula is not in perfect position, and the reason for that is that the patient's native circulation is so fast, 10 liters, 12 liters, you're flowing 3.5 or four, you're nowhere, the blood's just flowing right by. There's no way for recirculation. Whereas with right heart failure, especially in VV ECMO and low or low cardiac output states, that blood is, you're flowing four liters, the patient's own cardiac output is three liters, you're a liter over the flow, there's going to be significant recirculation, even if the cannula was in perfect position. So you see how this has a lot of use and can give you a lot of information with a very simple one minute test. And the cost is nominal, I will tell you that. That cost per test is zero, uh, the cost of buying the machine is about 20000 Maybe it's $25,000. i am really not sure exactly. But I think the overall cost compared to what we spend um, to do an ECMO patient is trivial. And it can be used on multiple ECMO patients. So you only really need one in the unit. And you can clean it from one patient's room, take it to another patient's room, and use it. Uh, you might need two if you have a lot of exotic hybrid cannulations because you don't want to move it once you have it on, and I'll explain to you why, because, you know, if you're monitoring multiple lines. Uh, we talked about the RV failure. Um, that's the end of that lecture, but I'm going to do something here which wasn't on this. And let's just say you have, uh, let me, can I got to find a different, uh, a different slide. Give me just a second and I'll do that. Um, you could take my slides down in case you had them up. Thanks. Uh, let me see. I know it's in here somewhere. They're, 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 they're in here. Um, I could get somebody to say something. Oh, did we fix? Are we going to fix that thing or not? That blinking. So I'm trying to finish early so that you can get it fixed because I really want it to be working for uh, when these other uh, when we got these other lines up. Okay, you can bring my slides up. Thanks. So if you are doing this, and uh, let me make sure, there we go. So if you are uh, doing, I'm going to pick on uh, VAV, here we go, this one, D. Okay? And I have, we're on, we're just doing V. Uh, v ECMO, where this line, I'm going to just mark it out, doesn't exist. We're draining from here, pumping into here, going back to here. Well, to do this, I need one flow probe, right? Whereas, when I go in and I, let me see. Man, I'll tell you what, this is, I'm, I'm just messing this whole thing up. Slideshow from current, there we go. Then I can do this and clear the pen markings, okay? Now I can't, huh. I, drew on, I drew on the slide the wrong way. 
So, so now if I add this line to go VAV, I need two flow probes. I need one here and I need one now on this line. But I'd also like to know the total. So I could put one here. So what the transonic device enables you to do is this would be hooked up to your regular ECMO. And here, I can just use this one. So let's just forget this one and let's go down here to E. I can, here we have the access, we have the return, and I have the return split going here. Well, I wanna know the total. So here's the ECMO flow probe. I wanna know the flow going to the leg Here's one transonic flow probe, but I want to know the flow going to the uh, right IJ, and I can use that flow probe. So I can have all three probes on the monitor for me. Total is four, I, and there's, uh, let's say, two and two. And if I want to adjust that, I can just change my clamps, and I can see in real time what that flow is. And I think that is such a critically important feature to, uh, to have. Now, with all of that said, um, I usually do a test and ask anybody what they can tell me about this, but in the deference of time, I'm not going to do that because we are having some technical difficulties. They're minor, but we have, the, like I said, the best session of the day coming up uh, with Nova Signal. We're going to have Mike Sabeos. He is here in the studio with me, and this guy is top-notch. He really knows his stuff, and uh, we've got folks coming, which I'll do the introductions from his company, uh, their chief science officer, uh, uh, and, and a couple of other folks that are incredible uh, incredibly experienced ultrasonographers that have done a, a world time, a lifetime full of TCD in all types of departments, including the cardiac suite. And I think what we're going to learn here today is going to be fantastic. So we're going to take a short 15-minute uh, break, a little longer than what I will usually do, and we're going to come back. So please be patient, okay? Stay on. Uh, and for those of you just signing on, we'll just put up a little uh, thing. You can unshare my slides or see, I can't see what you're putting out and we'll, because uh, I can't see it. And uh, just put up that uh, break thing like we normally do, that overlay. And we'll take 10 or 15 minutes, get our act together, and then we'll come back with everybody else and be ready to move forward. If that sounds good to everybody. Okay, sounds good. So stay tuned. We're not going to turn off. We're just going to go to overlay and break. <laughs> 